This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. This winter, we are studying the first 19 chapters of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. Bob serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He also leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible, and he brings loads of insight and wisdom to our discussion every time he comes. So, Bob, thank you for being here. Always a pleasure, Amber. Thanks. Today, we will look at Session 9, uh, where we will study, well, discuss uh, Genesis 11 verses 1 through 9. So we'll begin. I'll just share our outline just to give an overview of what's happening in these verses and then we will um, dive into some questions that either you may have or that your group members may ask uh, during your during your group time this week. Uh, Genesis 11 verses 1 through 4 we have titled that that portion United. So having a single language, expansion toward the east, stalled in the land of Shinar. The people began building a brick city with a tower that would reach toward the heavens. They wanted to make a name for themselves so that they would not be scattered. In verses 5 through 7, we've titled those verses, Reviewed. The work on this city was reviewed by God. He observed the people's failure to obediently cover the earth, and he understood the potential of them taking on other impossible and sinful tasks. In response, God decided to scatter the people by causing them to speak in different languages. Verses 8 and 9 we have titled Dispersed. Having confused them with different languages, God scattered the people abroad and they stopped building the brick city. The city took on the name Babylon since God confused them and scattered them from there. Our summary statement for this whole session is this. God expects his will and desires to be carried out. Okay, so that's just a quick rundown of what's happening. Um, so let's just ask a few questions to kind of get a good understanding of maybe what's happening, but also maybe things that are questions or conversations that your group members might have as they look at this. So first of all, pride was at the heart of the people's clear disobedience to God's command to fill the earth. Uh, Bob, how can we actively resist or safeguard against this today? As I was thinking about this session and thinking about this question, I realized something that I don't know that I ever really thought about before. Uh, pride is really just a symptom of a deeper problem. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's usually a mask that we wear that, that covers up some kind of fear or some kind of insecurity. And of course, there's, there's exceptions to that rule. There are people who are just plain arrogant and they're just so full of themselves. They, as, as a boss of mine used to say, they, they believe that the, the axis of the earth goes straight through their head and the world revolves around them. There are <laughs> those kind of people. But for most of us, when we're dealing with pride, it's usually a cover-up. Uh, mm -hmm. It's usually something we're trying to figure out ourselves. And I think that's really what we're seeing here at Babel. Uh, these people, their pride, their desire to make a name for themselves was really rooted in fear. Uh, they were comfortable with one another. They, they liked each other. They found security in one another. They created identity with one another. And, and following God's plan would threaten all of that. Uh, you know, their fears would tell them that, uh, you know, that, that obeying God and doing what God had said and scattering across the earth, that was going to make them more vulnerable. 
they're going to be easily mm-hmm. wiped out or maybe worse they would be forgotten nobody would remember who they were down the line and so for them that really created a tension in their hearts and in their minds and so they 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 got stubborn and they just stuck together and they uh they they uh turned uh turned to their pride allowed their pride to get the best of them i guess is the best way mm-hmm. to say it and just decide that they were going to be famous on their own. They weren't going to, they weren't going to trust God to protect them or, or watch over them. They were just going to do their own thing. Uh, you know, my, for us now, we got to consider, okay, then what does that mean for us? Because a lot of times we work the same kind of way. You know, my daughter is a, is a graduate student in, in clinical counseling. And so she's studying to help people with work, work through some of these kind of issues. And because I'm an editor and a writer, uh, she she asked me to read all her papers, which, you know, smart. <laughs> yes. And she does. You know, so far we've done OK. We're, we're getting ready to get that diploma. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's been fascinating to read this stuff because I really didn't know a whole lot about it going in. I'd taken a couple of counseling classes in, in seminary, but, you know, I really didn't understand it to the extent that she's been studying it. And one of the things that I've learned through reading her papers and talking with her about it is that, you know, the first step to healing is identifying the problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. If if you can't really, you can't really move toward healing until you admit what the situation is. And so if we're going to look at this from a 21st century perspective and say, okay, what are we going to learn for it? We've got to start by recognizing what the root of our pride is. We got to name that thing. What is the fear? What is the, what is the concern? What is the lack of security? that's causing us to manifest that pride. What is working in our lives? An easy way to put it is, what are we afraid we're going to lose in all mm-hmm. of this? Mm-hmm. What are we going to what are we going to afraid that that is going to slip through our fingers that that we're going to that we're not going to have that we're going to need, which of course is completely against everything that God says because God says I'm going to supply all your needs. I'm going to be your security. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be your identity. And but we fall into the same trap that the people in Babel did. Uh, we just forget mm-hmm. sometimes that, that that's what it's about. And so, but if we can, if we, if we can nail it down, if we can, if we can be honest with ourselves and say, this is what's really bugging me, this is what's really causing the problem in my life, then we can take steps to let, let go of that, put it in God's hands, surrender it to him and start that healing process. And the pride as a result, the, the pride levels go down. The peace levels go mm-hmm. up, and I and love find, that. Yeah, and, we, and so we find out because it is really a pride. Pride, when you think about it, pride is a really uh, it, it, it's not a peace producing emotion. It, it's a very it's stressful emotion. It creates more tension. It creates more fear. It creates more anxiety. Whereas if we let that kind of stuff go, it it, it allows us to rest in who God mm-hmm. is and what God has promised. And it's funny if you. You know, spoiler alert, if you go to the end of this story, then <laughs> everything really kind of turns out okay. The, their mm-hmm. worst case scenario didn't play out. Yes, God stepped in, God intervened, God confused the languages, and they ended up spreading out and doing what he was wanting them to, to do all along. But it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, you know, he was still in control. He was still guiding them. He was still directing them. Sometimes we need to stop and think and remember you know that that God is still in control, and so we can let go of that stuff. If we let go of that stuff, then that's a great protection against letting pride rule who we are. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's really helpful. I like the uh, peace goes up and 
when pride comes down. That's a really good observation. Um, okay, so that leads us kind of to the next question because here, here's the deal. They're like, we, we have a plan. God has a plan. We have a plan. Uh, their plan involved a tower. Uh, what can we say about the design and construction of the tower? Well, yeah, of course, the, the plan for, the, for building the tower itself was a hot mess it was it was a jacked up Mm -hmm. plan it was not something that that they needed to be getting themselves into but they did anyway and so Mm -hmm. you know let's say that from the beginning that this was a complete fiasco and a a complete rebellion against god but beyond that while the motive was wrong their meth was actually pretty impressive um some of the materials they used were pretty advanced uh for Mm -hmm. their time uh, for instance, the, the Bible says that they used uh, the oven baked bricks. Um, yeah. Bricks usually were not, and I think we bring this out pretty well in our in our materials, that the bricks were not usually baked in those days. It took too long, <laughs> and mm-hmm. there wasn't always a, a, enough trees and wood around in the desert to to create fuel for the fires to do it. But they did, and and because they did, they created the really. Uh, uh, a brick that would last, uh, really something comparable mm. to the kind of bricks that we use today. Uh, the other is this asphalt or tar or bitumen or whatever the translation happens to be for your particular um, uh, translation that you're using. Um, it, it was really, uh, it was something I think that naturally came uh, from that area. They were able to kind of harvest it, if you want to think of it that way. Um, but it wasn't something that was commonly used. In fact, I, I read one commentary said that that it really wasn't that kind of asphalt probably wasn't common until the Roman uh, Roman Empire, which would have been thousands of years after this, um, yeah. centuries after this. And so they that part of it that was pretty impressive that they were able to do that kind of uh, use those kind of materials and, and create that kind of, for lack of a better term, technology uh, for their mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. benefit and their plans. As far as the actual design. Most scholars believe it was probably what's called a ziggurat, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to what we think of about pyramids as like Egypt with the the triangle that point comes to the point at the top. A ziggurat was more like a it was more like a wedding cake. It was it was one level on top of the other. Uh, the mm-hmm. the lower level would be the biggest and the the, the widest and, and the the longest, and then there would be a level that was a little smaller on top and a level in, or like Legos maybe if you're building up uh, different size Legos, um, mm-hmm. you know that's that's sort of what a ziggurat was, and there would be a staircase that would lead up to the top of the of the of the ziggurat because at the top level was where the sacrifices were made, or that was also where God, their gods, their deities would come down and they would use the staircase to come down and dwell among their people is what the people hmm. believed. And so um, that's sort of what you're looking at. This, this, this large towering ziggurat layered kind of structure with, with a staircase that leads up and down. Of course, you know, God doesn't need a staircase to visit his people. He proved, he proved that in this story. He, sure. he just kind of looked down and said, Hey, let's go down and see. And they, and the Trinity, <laughs> the <laughs> let us go down. They did. And, uh, and they stepped in and did what they had to do. But, um, you know, it's, it, the whole thing is, is again, a reminder that, that sometimes our futility, uh, it's amazing how, uh, how arrogant we can be and, 
and how how much we can invest in our own designs and our own thoughts and our own plans, whereas God can just step in and without any effort at all, just confuse everything that we try to do. And yeah. and, and his plan works out in, in the beginning yes. to the way it's supposed to in the beginning. Uh, I know we have a we have a pack item. I, I, you may be getting ready to mention this. Yes. I don't know, but we have a great uh-huh. pack item about towers in the ancient world. So uh, I, I'm not going to steal your thunder on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll just kind of whet people's appetites that uh, that that's something that they can use if they're getting if they're using our pack items uh, that can help out with this as well. Yep, I was actually just about to talk about that. Uh, you know, every week, usually closer to the end of the podcast, we highlight either a pack item or a Bible skill or a uh, some some item or some feature in the leader guide. Um, and so this week, I was uh, I really wanted to bring to light this one, which I guess was on Bob's mind too. So it's 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 a really good pack item, everyone. Uh, it is a handout, and it's titled Towers in the Ancient World, and it just gives some background, um, and and Bob shared some in, just in answering that question, but it kind of gives a little background on the structure and um, kind of what was what was done at that time. It's really interesting, uh, and so that is, uh, if you have a, a physical leader pack, you can make copies of that to hand out. You can um, download digital PDFs if uh, as well, if you want to do that. Uh, but it's a really interesting tool that just gives a little more context to what's happening there. So yeah, that's there. Okay, so here's our third question. And I think it's a really interesting one because the people had come together. Uh, now they had not come together behind the Lord's plan. They came together behind their own plan, but nonetheless, they came together. So when can unity become a problem instead of a solution? It is an interesting question. I, I really like this one. Because um, as believers, we tend to think that unity is a great thing. And it is. Let's not get that. Let's not get confused about that. The New Testament is filled with challenges for us to be unified, to be of one mind. It's important that we have, because we have this huge job to accomplish in the Great Commission of telling yeah. people about Jesus and, and spreading his word and, and sharing people and pointing, pointing people toward him. It's a big job. It's a big task. Uh, and it's going to take us a lifetime to fulfill. And so, we have to be unified as Christians to, in order to pull that off. We can't do that on a person-to-person basis. We have to be together. We have to be pulling in the same direction to make that happen. And so when we think about unity, that's usually where our mind goes. But there's a different kind of unity as well. And, and the way I like to think of it is the distinction between unity and a conspiracy. <laughs> a conspiracy is unity. It's a unification of people. Usually we think about conspiracy with a negative connotation that these people are unified toward harm, toward evil, toward doing something wrong. And really that's what we have here in Babel. They have unity, but it's a conspiracy. It's a unity to rebel against God. As you mentioned before, they weren't caring about God's plan. They weren't following his purposes for what they were doing. And so when unity becomes a conspiracy, then that's a problem because you might be on the same page, but you're in the wrong book. (laughs) And that's, you know, you just don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you're moving in the wrong direction. Uh, There's a contemporary illustration that came to my mind when I was thinking about this. In professional sports, you you hear this term every once in a while, collusion. And basically what it means is that it usually comes from the players of that, that particular sport, that they will accuse the owners of that sport of colluding. In other words, they believe 
that the owners have created this conspiracy that they have agreed to work together as one unit to de- to deprive the players of some privilege or responsibility or right or something that they have coming to them. Uh, okay. And so you see this idea of co- collusion, and you know they they they're unified, but their unity they're, but again their unity is misguided, and so mm-hmm. you can kind of think about that as maybe a modern day illustration of when of a conspiracy of when unity goes in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. Of course, God clearly saw that there was going to be a problem with this. Uh, yes. He, he he not only saw the problem that was existing, he could see what would happen down the road as well. If they went, if, if they continued in this conspiracy of rebellion, this unity of rebellion, uh, and and weren't checked, and so again he stepped in, um, he and he he did what he had to do to 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 shatter the conspiracy, to break up the rebellion, and, and to and to really have his will, his purposes be fulfilled as they were supposed to be fulfilled. God's plan is always going to happen. Yes. We can't stop it. And it so, yeah. you know, and really, you know, God does love unity, but he only loves it when he's at the center of it. And if he's not at the mm-hmm. center of it, mm-hmm. then that causes problems. And that's where the people in Babel found themselves. Yep. Okay. Last, last question. God's actions were ultimately gracious, which they always are. Uh, what pattern of God's behavior have we seen in the last few sessions? Yeah, this is uh, this chapter 11 brings us to sort of a natural break in the Genesis story. Now, we're, mm-hmm. we've still got a couple more sessions uh, where we're going to introduce some other characters to the story in Genesis. But from a theological or from a storyline perspective, chapter 11 is a great break between really the creative creation and early primeval kind of uh, stories to the focus on Abraham and his family that's coming up in chapter 12. Uh, so because it's such a natural break, it's also a great time just to kind of step back and say, okay, what have we learned? What have we seen? And you're right. God's grace has been all over these 11 chapters. His mm-hmm. fingerprints mm-hmm. have been on almost every page of scripture that we can see. And so it's good to step back and to reflect on that. God's grace is a recurring theme throughout Genesis 1 through 11. Um, it's a, it's just a common pattern that we see of humanity messing up, God stepping in, and God restoring. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's really a good summary of human history, to, for that matter. Yeah. But but we really see it in several places in 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 Genesis one through eleven. Uh, for instance, we see in in you know in the Garden of Eden at creation, God was gracious to provide Adam and Eve with a place to live. And with a job to do, he gave them purpose and he gave them a place. And so that's, that was, that was an act of grace on his part to give mm-hmm. their, their life meaning. Um, but then even after they sinned, God showed his grace by restoring them, by forgiving them, by making a way for their salvation. And with the promise of the Messiah, uh, for the very first time, we see that in that, mm-hmm. in that Genesis mm-hmm. three story, we see God's grace in the story of Cain as evil and as abhorrent as that is. Uh, that that uh, that someone got so jealous and got so aggravated and got so uh, uh, arrogant or whatever that they that they killed their own brother um, and for no reason. The first homicide, the first murder, as as bad as that story is, God's grace came through and He placed a mark on Cain to preserve Cain's life. And 
we really didn't study it when we went through that passage, but God showed grace by giving Adam and Eve a second son, another son to replace mm -hmm. Abel, the one they lost, Seth. And so Seth, through Seth, the line came down through Abraham to Jesus, uh, ultimately. So it was God's grace. We see God's grace in the flood story with Noah and how God, mm -hmm. we talked about that, how God provided for the animals, how God provided for uh, Noah and his family, how the earth got a fresh start because of God's mm -hmm. grace. And then, of course, we had the grace of God, ironically, by by breaking up the conspiracy we just talked about. <laughs> you know, that was an act of God's grace, that yeah. that he didn't let the people of Babel yes. go on and, and do things the way they'd been doing them because that was only going to harm them. And so in his grace, he confused the languages and scattered them out. So the great thing is we're not going to – This is these are not the only incidents – of God's grace that we're going to see in Genesis as we move forward in the next few weeks and then even into the next quarter and take a deeper dive into some of the, the stuff related to a Abraham's family. We're going to continue to see his grace because it's not just, it's not just the first yeah. chapter, the first 11 chapters, as we said, it's, it's really the story of human history and it all focuses on the ultimate act of grace when God sent Jesus Christ. Gosh, what a great summary. Thank you so much, Bob, for, for that explanation. Uh, okay, so before we go, uh, I would love to remind you about Extra. Uh, Bob here is the one who works on that. Each week, he identifies a current news event and describes a way of using that news story to introduce uh, and conclude the group time. So it's just a bonus teaching option. These teaching ideas are free, and you can find them on the Explore the Bible website by going to goexplorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. Bob, thank you so much for being with us today. Amber, it's always a pleasure. I love doing this and I appreciate the opportunity. You do a great job. Uh, next week, we will have Mike Livingston with us to discuss portions of Genesis 12 and 13. Uh, and so we would love for you all to come and uh, join us again for that, uh, for that podcast.